Hi, I'm Mike James Gallagher. Hello, I'm Anthony Vanchuri. And what we're doing is... We're making sound. That's right. We're making sound. Hey, guys. Hey, Mike. Hey, Anthony. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. great. I'm great. Hello, everybody. It's Making Sound, episode 79, with my guests, Mike James Gallagher and Anthony Venturi here on Making Sound with Jan Close. I uh, I am uh, very happy to say that uh, I got these guys um, onto the show while they're on set on movie sets yeah. in different on different movie sets. So uh, uh, thanks for taking the time, guys. How's it going? Where where are you where are you calling in from? First of all, Mike, where are you guys calling in from? Uh, right now, I'm in Burbank at a place called Roundabout Entertainment. Uh, we're mixing a movie that just got into Sundance. Congrats! Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. Mr. Venturi, where are you? I am at my home studio right now where I'm also working on the same film as Mike. I'm just cutting from home today and delivering it. stuff to the studio from home. So. Excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. Folks, if you don't know these two gentlemen who are my guest this week, and this might be our last episode for the season, I might have a little surprise guest um, next week before we uh, take a break for the holidays, but we'll see. I, I'm not quite sure yet. So first of all, hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to be back with yet another episode of Making Sound. And let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. And uh, see, there's a movie set background. We've got background noise. We've got like dogs. Oh, kids. my gosh. I don't know what. What do we have there? <laughs> are you just are you the, filming right now? Vibrant. Well, we're uh, we're mixing. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in post-production. So I see, I see. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm are just we gonna... right outside of a mix stage. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Are we going to have, uh, should we, uh, make sure that we don't get too much of a background noise in, in there so that. Uh, what... yeah, well, it was, it was my understanding that, uh, I thought we were going to be kind of alone back here, okay. but I guess that's not the case. Uh, okay. So, so, you know, the more the merrier, you know, we'll have to just bring <laughs> them into the show if someone's I guess... there. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. All Hopefully right. Well, folks, okay. let me let me tell you about our guests today. Uh, we have two Emmy-nominated sound designers, uh, Mike James Gallagher and Anthony Venturi. Uh, their credits include, and you're gonna hear, you're gonna, you know, some of these movies already, but and I'm sure you've heard of them. And if you haven't, you should go out and see them. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic story. Featuring yep. Daniel Radcliffe and your publicist at Impact Twenty Four sent me um uh, sent me a a screener so I watched it oh, and I, I loved it I thought it was yeah. great yeah. I thought awesome. it was really yeah. good I thought it was really good and Daniel Radcliffe is a he's a badass man he could do anything he's so good and he Weird Al is so in great. the film yeah. he's in the film too he plays the record company executive <laughs> which yeah I, he's got right? a little cameo yeah it's delicious delicious yeah. And uh, another one, Lucy and Desi, which is the mm -hmm. documentary feature about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, her her husband. Um, so, and uh, we just had to take a little uh, take a little pause here because there was some um, background noise. And while uh, Mike is trying to find another location on set to talk to us, we're going to talk to Anthony. Yep. So, uh, hey man. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all good. You know, it's a podcast. It's live, and uh, you know, these these things happen. It's it's show business. Yeah. So, but yeah, I want to uh, just keep uh, keep talking about these your credits, which are just incredible. The uh, so the Lucille Ball uh, uh, documentary feature called Lucy and Desi. Yeah, and, yeah, and also would... the Selena Gomez documentary, My Mind and Me. You guys worked on both all of those three films and documentary yeah, features did. together. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a great year. We've yeah, done a lot of great projects this year. So those are some some great projects. Okay, Mike is coming back in. Let me get him back into the into the fold here. Um, and uh, let's see let's see how it, how it's going over there. I think. I okay, think I'm so back. sorry. There he is. Hello, how are I you am doing? So man? sorry, man. No worries. Man. I am we're, much better. We're back on. Quieter. We're back on. I was just talking. I was just talking about your credits this year that you guys had, which is kind of amazing in one year it's a pretty good year yeah definitely <laughs> yeah we've had a good year and we thought it was uh we thought it was winding down in november and then the director of this movie that we're working on it's called onyx the fortuitous and the talisman of souls 
um, they gave us a call and told us we got into Sundance. So it just kept coming. It just kept coming. Yeah. That's great. That's great. When is Sundance next year? In twenty starts on January nineteenth. Yeah. In Park City, Utah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I might actually be there. Oh, oh. Hey, we'll be we'll there. Hang out. I I might be there. We'll we'll definitely have to hang out, and we could follow follow up on this too. Um, I I might be there because my record company, my my record label, uh, Honey Rose Records, that is owned by Maury Levovitz. He has a house there. And uh, I don't know if he's going to be listening to this episode or not, but Maury, if you're listening, let's make this happen because now I got hey, Maury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and and he usually has a film party and he has some live music and you know he has some stuff going awesome. on over there. So so uh, and I just uh, I just did a did a an album deal with him and the album's finished. It's already in the can and I just I just signed the paperwork, which awesome. is always very it's always very emotional. You know when you sign off your babies. Yeah, and, yeah, and my exactly. babies are my songs, you know, like th those are my those are my uh, kids. Uh, so, but uh, it's exciting because it's coming out in March, and um, there'll awesome. be a lot of Congrats. touring. And thank yeah, you, yeah, man, it's uh, it's exciting stuff. So, but yeah, film, music, sound. So we're going to talk about all of these things. And um, I, I, so, first of all, I got to ask you both calling in from California, um, and I I actually couldn't find where you're from. So, where are you guys from, and how did you meet? <laughs> this is very interesting to me because you do a lot of stuff together, which yeah. is very rare, like as a team. Um, I I have a, a very interesting background. I actually am a military. This is Anthony. Brat. Anthony, right? Talking. Hi, yeah, yeah. Hi, everyone. Sorry, this is Anthony. Uh, yeah, I uh, I have an interesting background. I I was a I grew up in a military family, so I grew up all over the place. So, born in Virginia, moved, lived in D.C., lived in Kansas, lived in Pittsburgh, lived everywhere, mm -hmm. and I, my family moved to San Diego, California, when I was in high school, and I decided, hey, I'm, I'm staying here in California, everybody, so, um, so yeah, and then uh, Mike can tell where he's from, uh, but yeah. Mike, where are you yeah. from, and then, and then tell us uh, how you guys met. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I grew up in uh, Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yes. And uh, kind of, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, bands like Nine Inch Nails and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I was uh, an exchange started... student in Cleveland, Ohio, where Trent Reznor is, is from. Oh, awesome. uh, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, Trent yeah. Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was he was a huge influence, uh, you know, like people like Ben Burt doing Star Wars and Gary Rydstrom. Is a sound designer for uh, Terminator 2 and mm. Saving Private Ryan and movies like that. But those guys mm. were big influences on me. And I ended up being a recording engineer uh, when I started college at LSU. And uh, also ended up playing in an 80s cover band. I played guitar in an 80s cover band. Guitar. So I have a lot of music. music. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. Guitar. Uh, a lot of programming synthesizers, things like that. So cool. that, that got me into sound design uh, through music. Um, I ended up moving to New York for a year, but I kept getting a lot of theater jobs. So I ended up moving to LA, got a job at theater Fox. jobs as uh, doing what? Well, it was interesting because I started getting into video around the time that I was in the eighties cover band because we were, we were like producing videos and stuff for performances. We would play videos up on the big screen. Um, so I actually moved to LA to get a job at Fox and I was doing like uh, video editing and media management in post-production so i met the guy like the first day i moved to la i met this guy his name's matt freund and he's like a big video editor here and uh, matt freund is who introduced me to anthony and that was around 2009 so about 13 years ago wow yeah i uh, uh i also came in a music background you'll find a lot of guys in the uh, post-production audio world come from music mm -hmm. backgrounds uh and so you know i was playing in bands learning how to record and all that and at the same time i was also getting very interested in audio for film you know uh mike and i talk about this a lot but uh just watching dvd features on old movies uh, just watching the special features on how these guys created sounds for movies just it was very interesting to me. So when I finished school and moved to L.A., I was like, oh, well, what, which path am I going to go down? Do I want to go down the music recording studio path or am I going to go down the film? And film just led itself to so much, so many great opportunities in L.A. And so yeah. so I got my start at a, at a studio called P.O.P. Sound. And, uh, and right around that time I started working there, that's right around the time I met Mike and we just both bonded over our love for film sound and 
we've had a a partnership basically ever since, more or less. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. So what does it what does it take to to for two people like you who are essentially doing the same thing, for them to connect, work together, and not compete for the same jobs? Oh, that, that 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 is an interesting question yeah. because I think Anthony and I just happen to we have similar taste in music and film and stuff like that, but our skills as far as sound go complement each other perfectly. Yeah, and it seems like every film we work on, it's just like there's the perfect match of like Anthony's handling of these things and I'm handling these things, and yeah, and there's a little crossover there too, so we can help each other out. Mm. Yeah, it's it, I, you know it's the thing you always want to work with your friends and yeah. you know and it's just it's very easy mike and i have just we've been working together so long that it doesn't uh, you know it, it's just a very easy partnership as far when we're you know working on films together so i don't know i, I guess i've never thought about it as a uh, like is it as a competitive thing it just kind of fell into this place where we both i would get some movie and i'd be like hey mike come you should come help out and then mike would get movies and be like hey you should come help out on this and it just now it's just formed into this very easy workflow that we have working together so i love it i love it do do uh, do the studios know that you guys are you know like good together like will they hire you together for a job now like on purpose uh, yeah you know you hire you get hired on you know as a supervisor you you know, Mike might have a relationship with the director and he'll go, Hey, Oh, I got my team. And it's, you know, and I'm going to bring on Anthony and me and Anthony are going to be the guys and vice versa for me. If I get brought, if I meet a director and get brought onto a film, it's like, Oh, Hey, you know, this is, this is my crew, you know, and I'm bringing, it's me and Mike. So sort of thing. So it is very, you know, you let people know you, you know, sound teams. There's a lot of people on the sound team. Actually, you don't, you know, it's not just one person. It's, you know, you, you have lots of people. A lot of time on projects, it's mostly Mike and I. But you know, as, as the budgets get bigger, you bring on more people and more uh, you know team members onto the sound team. So, mm -hmm. yeah, on weird specifically, uh, I will say that we did most of it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the other credits too are uh, like the Foley team and things. Yeah. Like, and we can and we can talk about that stuff if you guys are interested. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested in the you know the the people. Like, I'm interested in what what makes you interested in in sound. You know why? You know we all have like a calling, right? For yeah. better or for worse. <laughs> and you know, making your having a life built around the thing that you love doing the most is is a good life. Yeah, it's a good life. You know, and uh, not everybody gets that lucky. So. Um, you know, for for inspiration, really, what what was it? Let's start with you, um, Anthony. Let's start with you, since you're now on top on the Zoom screen. <laughs> uh, we'll switch around. We'll switch around. Um, what about sound? When you like, tell us a little bit about growing up and and what drew you into into that moment. You know, there's always a. To me, I think there's always a a catalyst. You know, there's yeah. always a moment that you remember. Like I remember telling my grandmother that I wanted to be a singer when I was eight. Yeah. I just remember yeah. it, you know, like it was very clear to me. Like, yeah, what do you want to do? A fireman. No, I don't want to, you know, you, you yeah, get those. I, and I said, I want to be a singer. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> but you, you don't know what that entails when you're eight. No. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, it was similar. I was like, oh, I'm going to be an, an I want to be in a punk rock band. Like that was my initial, it's a, it's a, I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to play guitar and, and, in a punk band. And that was kind of like what I wanted to do when I was like in high school, or that was the idea of what I wanted to do. But then I also was very heavily influenced by movies and watching movies. I love movies. Who doesn't love watching movies? And so I also was like, well, I also want to work in films. Like those were like my two loves, music and film. And so um, so then when I went to college and was taking recording classes and was taking film classes, I was doing both different, you know, different courses. And I remember there was a specific, we had a film course and we had a sound for film course. And I just remember, and it was that kind of aha moment that you're talking about. And, and I love talking, or I love this. There's, I brought it, mentioned it earlier with the DVD features on the Spider-Man two DVD features. They had a featurette on the sound team and talking about making Dr. Octopus's like claws and all the different sounds they did for that. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was just that moment and that being in college and film school and recording, watching that video clip. And it was just like, Oh, I can blend all of this, all the, this things, all of these things that I love to 
together into one or into a job. I, you know, I didn't know that, mm-hmm. I didn't know that sound, you know, that sound editing was a thing when I was growing up and mm-hmm. then it just presented itself in college. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's cool. Mike, do you have a similar story or similar experience? Yeah. I mean, I alluded to it a little earlier, but um, I just remember being like, God, three or four years old. (laughs) And my dad would play these crazy records that he would get recommended to him from the the local college radio station. And he would actually like call the radio station and be like, what was just playing? What was just playing? And it was just the most bizarre stuff. Like I actually recommend going to YouTube and finding a song called Joe So Mean by the Flowerpot Men. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm positive you have never heard of this before. But Love that guy, mm-hmm. and it came out in like 1982 or something like that, which was the year I was born. And if you listen to it, you'll be like, there was nothing around that time that was coming out that sounded like that. Mm-hmm. The guy that, uh, his name's Ben Watkins, the mm-hmm. guy that fronted that group ended up becoming Juno Reactor. And you might recognize that name because, well, first of all, it's like a big kind of dance artist, uh, like kind of alternative weird stuff. But he also did a lot of the music on the Matrix sequels and worked with the composer on that. So he was doing very, very similar music that was in the Matrix in like 1982. Hmm. So my whole point is when I was around three or four years old, that's the kind of stuff my dad was listening to. And I can promise you that had a massive influence on when I later then saw Star Wars. And heard like the organic, strange sound design that came out of that movie that no one had ever heard before. Mm -hmm. And I just had a huge connection with that, which I can then draw a line to later, a few years later, hearing Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor. So there's just like all this crazy kind of sound design stuff that I was hearing in a lot of my early years that absolutely um, had a massive influence And and I knew that when I started reading magazines and articles interviews with people like Ben Burt and Trent Reznor, sorry, and reading these interviews with Ben Burt and Trent Reznor, that it's absolutely what I wanted to do. And then what's really sealed the deal was exactly what Anthony was talking about is when I was watching behind the scenes DVD special features and just behind the scenes on different movies that people like Ben Burt, Gary Rydstrom would do. Um, I was just like, oh yeah, I have to do that for a living. And so I figured it out mm-hmm. very early on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was it Was it difficult to break into the field? How do you, how do you, I mean, do you, did you, how do you audition for those kind of roles or those kind of, you know, those kind of roles in the, in a film, not acting roles? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I was very fortunate to have great friends in college who are filmmakers who wanted to, you know, wanted to make movies. And so I just offered up, I was like, Hey, I, I, I'm interested in sound editing. Can I do, can I do sound editing for your projects? And that's just kind of, how the ball starts getting rolling. You just kind of start, I just kind of started doing it. I, you know, there's no like manual for like, this is how you do it. And I was just like, Oh, yeah. and so I, fr- good friends of mine, uh, Jordan Harris and Andrew Schrader, they directed a film uh, called fever night right after college. And I did all the sound editing and mixing for it. And I didn't know what I was doing. You just, you kind of, like I said, you're just, I was, you were just kind of figuring it out as we go along. And and then I was lucky and fortunate enough to get a job as a vault clerk at a at a post production studio that <laughs> POP vault. Sound. So that's such yeah. a cool name for a job, a vault clerk. Vault clerk, yeah. <laughs> Ship it, yeah. It was a cool studio, but it's not a cool job. You're just shipping packages yeah. and tapes and you know doing all that. But I'm getting to be at a studio, and you know I'm coming in early, staying late, watching you know what some of the other editors and mixers were doing, and just getting a feel for it. And mm. you know, you know that pays off you know people see that you're dedicated that you want to do this and you know people mm-hmm. you know the next time there'd be a project at work they'd be like oh hey anthony you you know we saw you doing that other project you want to come in and you see what you can do on this yeah. and it just built up from that so it was just a very um organic way of falling or not falling into it, an organic way of of creating the yeah. career path yeah go ahead mike do you want to pitch in on this yeah, I, I had been doing uh, a lot of my friends like home movies and stuff. Like in high school, I was one of the first kids that had like a nonlinear video editor. What? And what I would so throw... what format was that in? Oh my god, this this was like in 1997 or something. I remember the company was called ULED or ULED. I think they're still around. But uh, yeah, I think I was actually pulling analog off of VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
I remember adding a sound effect. I think it was like a short, it was like, I, I, I shouldn't even call it a short film. It was just like something my friend was messing around with where he just dressed his friend up like a ninja and like <laughs> he jumped off something and then fell into a pile of whatever pillows or something like that. Yeah. But I threw in a sound effect of like breaking glass and wood, you know, breaking in half and shredding and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, Oh my God. Like it, it all of a sudden actually felt dangerous. Like when I played it for my parents, they were like, Oh my God, is he okay? So it was funny. It was like this very simple, like magic moment that was created and, you know, video editing and adding sound to that. And, uh, and it's interesting because on this uh, project that I'm on right now, um, the director's name is Andrew Bowser. And like I said earlier, the movie is called Onyx, the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Um, he was one of the first people I met in L.A. as well. Um, that was around 11 years ago. And um, I was just like video editing and doing media management for a company like in post-production. But he was a director and a filmmaker and you can look him up. He has a lot of content. Um, and he just told me he was doing a short film and I was like, Oh yeah, I do sound. And, um, mm -hmm. I absolutely did not do sound at that time. <laughs> I did not <laughs> know like, what I was doing. Fake it till um, you make it kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and again, you can totally go to YouTube and look it up. The, the short film is called monster machine. And, uh, I had to do the sound for all these zombies and guns and all sorts of crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, 10 years later, we're doing a Sundance movie. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I mean, this is basically how, how making sound, how this podcast started. You know, at the, the onset of the pandemic, I thought, I have to do something. I can't yeah. tour. I can't tour. You oh, know, they can't. Yeah. They don't, they're not allowing us to do this anymore, you know, yeah. which was a horrible feeling. You know, when I hate it when people tell you what not to do. Um, right. You know, it's, it's awful. But, uh, you know, so I, I was like, I think I could do this, you know, it can't be that hard. You know, I'm good with tech. I'm very good with tech. You know, I'm good with this kind of thing. I have like a small studio set up at home. I could, I could do this. You know, I mean, the, the most difficult thing was to get the guests to sound good. Yeah. That was the hardest part, you know? So we, we try to make sure that we have, uh, you know, set up, set it up in a way that, that is enjoyable for the, for the uh, the listeners, I know and I, have now, to, I have to apologize to your listeners. We're sound people, and I don't have I don't have a good mic set yeah, up for this interview. On, you have a good excuse. You're working. You're on yeah. set. Yeah. You're on set. <laughs> we didn't know that, and so it's totally okay. And I think people will will understand that. I'm sure. Um, uh, so, but you know, the the um, here we are now in the fifth uh, season. I mean, that's, that's how long the that's how long this fucking pandemic has been sticking around. Yeah, uh, you right. know, episode seventy nine. You know, so it 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 really you never know. Like you know, I I when things started picking up again, when I started playing shows again, I still I decided why should I stop doing this? It's fun, you know. And yeah. now I have all these publicists calling me, going, "Can I get my artist on your show?" You know? <laughs> Which is nice and very flattering. Yeah, you know? that's great. so uh, that's so it, it's a wonderful thing, and I got to talk to cool people and interesting people and meet new people this way uh, as well. So, so yeah, but you know, coming from the music side of things, um, I've worked in in film as well. Not you know as a singer and scoring and uh, uh, with songs that have been used in on soundtracks, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. Uh, that's that's not necessarily something that you guys really have a lot of contact with, though, right? You, that's that's the music supervisor now. Uh, and there are a lot of people that work on a film, like you, like like you just said. Um, but how how does that connection influence possibly what you're doing? Probably not so much, right? Like the music that's playing. Like how do you how do you reconcile that with the the sound effects? Oh no, it's very important actually. Um, and you know, before you know, on you you want to it's great if you can talk to the composers beforehand. So I've, we've been very lucky on weird and this, this other project we're working on called Die Hard two right now with uh, these two composers, Zach and Leo, we've been able to work with them a little bit ahead of time. So we kind of know they might send us tracks going like, Hey, these are, this is what might be the music for this scene. And it gives Mike and I a better idea of what to cut, you know, like, you want to Mike does this beautifully all the time if you have music you can cut in frequency ranges and make sure your sound effects are like you know the same frequency same pitch mm. as the music and it and it can just make the soundtrack just that more yeah. much more lush it's not every project that you get to have a good relationship with or a close relationship with the composers but like if you can it's definitely um it's 
definitely uh, great when you can yeah. work with composers beforehand. So, and you'll yeah, get, I, uh, yeah. go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, oh no, go ahead. I was just going to, yeah, go Mike. <laughs> well, I was going to say on weird, the Al Yankovic story, um, you know, I did do a lot of uh, kind of like music sweetening with a lot of my sound effects. I was able to have some of the um, kind of like temp score that they had temped out before they recorded with an orchestra a week before the movie mixed. So I actually went through my sound effects and started pitching them to the music and even kind of like doing things in rhythm. Like there's an LSD sequence in the film and there's actually a lot of stuff that I did in the sound effects that are in rhythm and in pitch. And what that really allows you to do is when we're mixing the movie, you can really crank up the sound effects and it's all going to work together. So yeah, I mean, I, I really feel like, you know, going back to how we all came from music, I mean, I think we look at me and Anthony look at film as just like this perfect marriage of all these different mediums and we yeah. get to play in that playground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, the I was just listening to, um, and not to change the subject, but I was listening to Prince's Purple Rain, the album, from beginning to end. Yeah. Of course, and, perfect album. And ten out great, of ten. Grew up on that. Ten out of well, ten. Yeah. Ten out of ten, man. That that record just def, never gets old. And there's this cool sequence, this sound sequence on the at the end of side A. And I'm saying side A because I'm doing vinyl <laughs> for the first time. So you know, hey, nice. that's how it used to be. It used to be two <laughs> sides for Sound everything albums. all the time, darlings. Yes, <laughs> you kids don't remember any of this, do you? But now it's coming back with vinyl. Blah, I was blah, talking blah. about VHS tapes. Now you're talking about yeah. vinyl. Good lord! My my dad had a VHS C camera. Remember VHS C? It was like the the compact version of VHS. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we were like, when he when he got it, he was just like, "You guys aren't touching this thing. You <laughs> this know, the- don't get near it." It was like gold, you know. But like, yeah. we eventually, of course, my brother and I eventually like got our hands on it and started making you know videotapes of us running around the garden, doing yeah. whatnot, and like making up short stories and whatnot. But but anyway, there's that uh, at the end of uh, side one on Purple Rain, there's this uh, audio sequence where he loops the tape and it runs backwards and it's this ha, 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 ha. It starts off with that, yeah. you know, um, and it's so cool. And it it kind of gives the album a it changes the tone. It makes it more of a visual experience because you're hearing something that you're not used to hearing on an on a rock record, on yeah. an album, on a pop album, you know, and we had uh, um, I've had a lot of film people on lately, and I'm going to a film party tonight in New York. You know, so I have a lot of French friends in the um, in the film world. And I was talking to Angel Gates, who is a who runs Hutsey TV, which is a streaming platform. He was a guest on Making Sound as well. I met him at the Woodstock Film Festival, and he was talking about how they're building events around film, and it's not just the movies anymore. They're building, they're putting in, they're bringing in other aspects to make it a much rounder evening so that you're not just going to a screening and seeing the film and then and then that's it and everyone goes away but you know there's there's a hang there's maybe some music there's maybe some other visual experiences you know so so it it the the idea of 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 creating content or an event or um you know in the film in the film sort of world and involving other media um makes total sense to me definitely you know, to 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 create community to, you know to sell the to sell the movie etc cetera, etc cetera, you know so so is that something that how much talk is there about that kind of thing in in the in your world these days i know that's a kind of a compli- complicated question but i'm just curious about this you know how are things changing you know because we don't have movie theaters as as much as we used to you know films we just had uh um uh, you know we we've had people on that that they they tell me the film goes to the theater for a week yeah and then boom it's on apple music or then it's on netflix you know so and then the only really the only big blockbuster movies that you have going to are to to movie theaters anymore are superhero movies and yeah, it's, how can we how how could how can we you know get away from this like genre specific environment where everything's so concentrated and yeah, it's, like, it's it makes me crazy. 
It does. It makes me crazy as well because I love going to the theater and or I love going to movies. And I love seeing every kind of movie in a theater and it definitely, you know, the pandemic obviously didn't help. But uh, I do think there is a uh, there is something you're losing by just sitting at home and watching movies and not going out and experiencing it with people. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best things about one of my favorite things about working on Weird the Al Yankovic story was we got they got to have a premiere at the at TIFF in Toronto mm-hmm. and it was and I say it was like a party it felt like the biggest party they had like flash did, or, or they had a flash mob come out dressed as Weird Al so they had what like That's 30 it. people dressed up as Weird Al dancing in the streets like cheering and everything and it just felt and you could just feel the energy of the crowd everybody was so excited to be there to see these dancers and then to get ready to watch the movie it was everybody's laughing and cheering and clapping along in the movie and it just that experience was just it was great and it was so powerful to watch a movie like that and you just you know i i i agree i i think there should be more focus on a theatrical experience now as opposed to you just, just gave me album. an idea too for for my album release in in new york in may you're gonna have a bunch of weird <laughs> <ass answers. laughs> <Flash mob. laughs> uh so yeah i you know i we're i we say this movie we're working on onyx uh onyx of fortuitous and the talisman of soul it's going to premiere sundance you know like sundance is a great you know if you're if you're near utah and you can get to a film festival it's a great place to go see movies and just feel the energy of people excited to see movies to be there in person it's you know laugh with a crowd you know you go laugh with an audience in a theater it's a it's a lot different than when you're just kind of sitting at home taking in something you Mm -hmm. know not to say that that's you know not to say that it's bad to watch movies at home. It's just there's something missing if you don't get that that and you know that live communal mm-hmm. experience. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was just thinking about. I mean, when we're mixing on stage, I mean, I'm just coming off the stage right now, mixing Onyx, and uh, yeah, I mean, the the director we mixed this film a few like about six weeks ago. We did the mix that we sent to uh, submitted to Sundance. And the director and the producer were just like, you know, we just have so much fun on the mix stage. And it, it's the, the movie you just experience in a completely different way. And we're also making it for that purpose. We're making it for the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I just, I'm just echoing Anthony's statement about all this stuff uh, and, and kind of your question about how, is, how are things changing? Well, there's a lot of discussion now about how clear dialogue is and how loud yeah. the dialogue is. Oh, and really? uh, but that, that's a whole other uh, uh, thing. I, people are listening on, you know, 25 different devices now. Yeah. And where it used to just be, we went to a theater to see the movie, you know, and, or you, you know, you watched it on VHS at home and there weren't any, uh, you know, standards at that point, but now <laughs> it's uh, the Roku. <laughs> the might as well have been mono. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. And if you look at the video quality we were looking at on VHS, yeah. you'd blow your mind um, how bad it was. Mm. But now um, with Roku, uh, watching the Weird Al movie, the only option is to watch it on these 25 different devices. Yeah. And so it just opens up a whole can of worms about like the quality of the mix. But again, we're mixing it for the theatrical experience or at least a close enough theatrical experience that you can recreate at home, which I think I hope. I hope that's what ends up happening is that people just build better and better things at home. If there's not going to be a renaissance where we're all going back to the theater, which I hope there will be, then I at least hope that the consumer products there, there becomes a standard and that things get better for the home experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jan, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way about your music. You know, you're recording it and mixing it and making, you want everything to sound great and lush on speakers. And then you don't know how people are lit. You know, somebody might be listening to it on little earbuds and you yeah. go, Oh, you know, like that's, you know, it's just that it's that similar thing we deal with in movies where we're like, we're mixing We want you to hear this loud and big on massive speakers. We don't want you to watch it on your iPad. You know, like, of course the experience isn't going to be the same watching it on your iPad or your phone or laptop speakers. You know, you want to hear it, you know, man, the worst thing is, is like if you're on the New York city subway and you've got somebody watching a show yeah, on their phone, Without yeah. headphones, yeah, 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 yeah. And you have to listen to that because yeah, that uh, that frequency is so ugly on that that little phone speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah the EQ that they've it, boosted on that so to make it less. Yeah, it's ugh. 
you know, like unpleasant. Harsh, yeah. And it carries throughout the entire train car because of yeah. those high frequencies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like you have to, you can't just like move away from someone when they're sitting next to you. You have to leave that car if you don't want to yeah. hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That frequency. That's so, That's ho- it's so horrible. And then that if person you- goes and complains about the mix. He goes, oh, I watched this movie on the train and it's the mix yeah. sounded awful. <laughs> you go, what? Well, how'd you, where'd you listen to it on? Well, I was listening to it on my phone on a train. You know, <laughs> That's, yeah. That's why. Couldn't hear the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's, there's so many, uh, there's so many challenges, you know, I mean, it's enough to drive you nuts. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely it's changing. So yeah, I want to talk about at, uh, Atmos, Atmos, at yeah, Atmos, Atmos. What is it? Atmost? Is it? So so I've been hearing a lot about this, and I have started like people have fans have started to write to me and said, "Oh man, you should remix your album Reverie." Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like the first full-length album I did in New York City 15 years ago. It's 15 years. I have to do a post about it um, <clears throat> on socials. But then again, social media is dying too. So, you know, nothing's nothing's staying the same anymore. Yeah, all but, uh, yeah so I'm hearing, you know, th- th- they're like, oh, you should remix this in, in Atmos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it sounds so great. And it's going to sound even better if you do that. You know, and I'm like, I know what it is and I get it, you know, but but why don't you guys, because you're going to really know how to explain this to our, our audience. What does it mean and what does it entail and how is it different? Is it like, I'm, I remember when Dolby uh, 5.1 came out yeah. and you had like surround sound and mm-hmm. all this. So now, now what is Atmos? So Atmos is another, is just a, a new continuation of surround sound technology, um, whereas, you know, 5.1... Five one, you have three speakers in front of you. You have two speakers behind you, and you have a subwoofer. Um, seven, then they, and then there were seven one, and you had yes. three speakers in front of you. You had two speakers on the side, and then two speakers behind you. And now with Atmos, you got speakers on the ceiling. So you have uh, you, from at at home Atmos uh, setups, it's four uh, four speakers you can have, or you can have two up on the ceiling. But more or less, now you're hearing sound from above you as well. Uh, in an, with it with Atmos. So when you're mixing a movie now, you know I like to my the perfect example is just like think of like a helicopter. You know when you're outside a helicopter, you hear it. It's coming from above you. It's not you know. And so when you're mixing an Atmos, if you're mixing a scene with a helicopter, you pan. You take that sound effect. You take that helicopter sound effect and you pan it up to your speakers atop of you. And so you get that feeling of hey something's going overhead. And so it's opened the doors as far as, you know, more creativity as on the mix side goes on what you can do, where you can play sounds and what you can, you know, what you can get away with. Our mixer, uh, Tony Solis on Weird, we mix Weird and Atmos and he had mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. field day with everything, you know, mixing every like all sorts of it, Mike, the scene that Mike did, the LSD sequence that we've alluded to. There's so many great sound and music moments and you can that just kind of poke out at you and you know if you if you have an at home atmos theater or uh, set up at home you know check out the movie and listen to what we were mixing and throwing up there it's yeah just make sure you have brick walls if you live in new york city in an apartment oh yeah, 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 yeah. for sure <laughs> i mean well from a practical standpoint um I, you know at home when i'm doing the uh in my home studio when i'm actually editing the sounds that go into a movie like weird uh i'm doing it in stereo um, some editors do it in LCR. I don't have a left, center, right setup, but I have stereo at home. And so I'm, I'm doing the editing the sounds there. When I bring it to the mix stage, when Tony gets a hold of it, he's then taking my stereo sounds, he's taking the music, the dialogue, and he's using the space in, on the mix stage to place all the sounds. So it's actually starting out. Uh, I actually... Anthony, was the music uh, the music was mixed in seven one or five one? The music was mixed in five one. So we got all the music was mixed in five one that we got back from the composers uh, and the score mixer, which was great. But then Tony was able to, you know, you fold that out even more into, you know, you can bring yeah. up music up into your into your uppers and. What's um, Tony? What's Tony's last name? It's Solis. S O L I S. Great man. He's mixing Onyx right now. He's uh, he's on the uh, yeah. I was just hanging out with him. <laughs> right. That's cool. 
Yeah, I, so I love it. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. just you can just do all sorts of painting. I mean, you know, we, your music listeners, you know, you think of just you just kind of think of stereo. So you just think of left and right. But when you get into a movie, we got more speakers. So you can whip stuff around you and back. You know, it's always yeah. sometimes you can do some cool sound effects that you'll hear behind you and, you know, might make you as an audience member go, oh, what was that? What, you know, you're trying to recreate the feeling of what might be happening in a scene in a movie. And yeah. so somebody might go, you know, that it might make them jump hearing the sound and it, you know, alludes to what's happening on the, on the screen or whatnot. So it's, it's a, most people will listen to weird probably in stereo, but I can give your listeners something to listen for. There's a scene in the film where uh, let's just say an accordion gets smashed. And with that scene, it's in slow motion in that scene. I'll probably use about 25 or 30 layers of, mono stereo sounds to create the sound of that accordion being smashed. Um, I remember when that scene got to Tony Solis, he, he went through every single layer. So he's looking at every single of the 30 layers, soloing each one of them and trying to figure out, Oh, what should I do with that? What should I do with that? So that was a really good example of like a little seven second, nine second thing that happens where Tony's completely dissecting it to, taking it apart and flying the pieces all around the room in Atmos, in surround sound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, people are probably going to listen to it in stereo, but at least when they see the movie and they see that accordion being smashed, it's a good example of like a little moment where you can do a lot with it. Tony can hear us talking about he's, him because he's calling me right now. He's calling you right now. Hello, hello Tony. <laughs> so what is Tony's role? What is his title or on the film? Re-recording mixer. Re-recording mixer. So, yeah, I mean, weird, weird Al, weird, weird Al Yankovic. Um, let's talk about him for a minute and, uh, sure. and, and the music. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I thought I loved this movie because it was, you know, you have a, a, a an artist who creates persiflages of, you know, all these situations and songs and, uh, uh, but the movie itself is like, is constructed in the same way which I thought was very clever. Yeah. You know, the fact that they, it wasn't just a, uh, here's another, you know, bio, a biopic of someone's life and we're going through the motions of telling that story, but they added this whole other layer of humor and an abstract situations to the film, which made it, made it very a very different kind of biopic you know we don't need any more biopics really <laughs> i mean we've had so many so and and i loved that i thought it was so clever you know and then having daniel radcliffe uh, play him of course you know daniel radcliffe is like turning out to be a someone you can really bank on for a great performance no matter what you throw at him this guy Definitely. is just really i mean when i first i remember seeing the first harry potter movie and thinking, you know, this kid, you know, they, it, I don't, is he really a raw talent? Like, you know, you couldn't really get all of that, you know, in the, in the very beginning. Obviously, it was, you know, he was so young. Yeah. But it's amazing how he has built a career for himself and remained, you know, very committed to the art. Yeah, I think he's very uh, fortunate He's able to pick a lot of cool, I think he just wants to do cool yeah. projects and he's very lucky he gets to do that. And I think, yeah, he, uh, he said in inter- he's has said in interviews, you know, he saw, he got the script for weird Reddit and just said, yes, I want to do it immediately. Like, you know, it, it is, it's, a it's, story too. it's exactly when you hear, oh, weird Al biopic, you go, oh, you, you know, you might, maybe you think, oh, they did a biopic on Weird Al. But then when you actually sit down and think about who it is, you go, oh, of course, it's it's a parody of of biopics. It's not, it's Weird yeah. Al's version of a biopic. It's, when I read the script, I was, I mean, I, I was elated. It was the, one of the funniest scripts I've like read, just sitting yeah. there like laughing and cackling. Um, so yeah, so then when I met, you know, I had an interview with the director and just got to talk to him about, you know, what they were looking for in the movie. And just, it was. Remind, was like, our, right. remind us of the name of the director. Yeah. The director, Eric Appel. Uh, Eric Appel. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's did an amazing job. He yeah. co-wrote the movie with Weird Al. So him and Weird Al were very, uh, you know, big driving force on this movie together. And uh, Al was there every day on set with Eric. Al was there. Al, it was funny. Weird Al was actually on tour the whole time we were mixing the movie, but he was there mm. remotely. So we had a giant TV 
with Al's face on it. He was zoomed into the movie. But yeah, it was, you know, what was great about the parody, you know, what they're able to do with this parody is we're able to, to make different scenes. So it's not just a drama. You know, you have these moments, you have this LSD sequence, you have these fight sequences, you have, you yeah. know, you have these, these scenes where he's playing in a, you know, a punk bar, you know, it's just, it, it, it led itself to a lot of fun moments for sound for us. You know, it wasn't just a very, just straightforward movie. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for your, like for your uh, listeners, but you know, there's just these, great moments it goes off the rails at the end of the movie you just go what i did not see the movie going to this place and you know you know there was a lot of gun sound effects so i'll just say that you know that we uh that were cut for the movie and it's yeah it was a lot of fun it was such a great fun project and it's on roku which means you can watch it for free yeah is that correct yeah you don't even you don't need a login you don't need anything you just go to roku.com go to rokuchannel.com and you can watch it immediately uh, yeah, it's I I loved it. I I you know beginning to end. I I I never got bored. Yes. Um and uh and you guys got nominated for an Emmy for this. Is that correct too? Uh no, no? Uh, well, we're hoping. That's, that's the hope that's, for, that's that's next that's the next, year. that's next year's that's, Emmys. That's right. That's next year's Emmys. That's gotcha. the hope. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, good luck. We'll see. We, um, yeah, thank, thank you. I, thank you. It could but, it yeah, could happen. Nom- it could happen for you. It could happen. Just believe yeah. in your dreams. Work hard, and you'll get there, boys. It's true. Well, we got yeah. the. We we were nominated for an Emmy. We we're nominated for the Lucy and Desi doc. Is what we were yeah. nominated for. Can we talk so. about that for a moment? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Such an interesting. Again, another you know fascinating. And then the Selena Gomez. I don't know how much time we have to, to get to all of this, but I mean, I, I don't. I don't know where I want to start because these are two very very interesting people with with fascinating lives. So the the Lucy and Desi about Lucille Ball and her husband, um, Amy Poehler directed it. Yeah, and you know, there's I watched the featurette. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't watched the film, but I watched the featurette, and and I I was kind of like I I had to like shake my head a little bit because Amy Poehler was sort of presenting this like the story the way she was talking about it as this perfect couple who had this this power couple who were, you know. Uh, so successful all their lives, which I'm sure if you actually watch the, and you can correct me on this because I'm sure you've know exactly what the, what this is about. Um, it, it didn't, uh, their, their lives weren't like that at all. You know, like, in fact, they didn't really have a happy marriage, even though they were no, married oh, for if, 20 years. If you watch the movie, if you watch the documentary, it, Amy did an amazing job of telling their story and talks yeah. about how they loved each other. But she also they get very much into the troubles they had as a as a working as a you know they were a producer team and Amy did an amazing job telling their story and get and it gets into that and it gets into them you know not getting along and talks about their divorce yeah. and all that. So yeah, it's it's definitely if you have any interest in Lucy Ball and and Desi Arnaz, it's definitely worth a watch because you get a lot more than you get. You know, yeah, you see stuff on TV and it's just like oh, it's Lucy and Desi, but this documentary does a great job. They were able to get access to a lot of uh, old home footage, old mm-hmm. audio recordings of Lucy and Desi that they recorded themselves from from the family members. Um, it's yeah, it's a very well made documentary. It, it, was, it is so, you know, to me, it's always refreshing to see something like this because we always, I think, in especially in our society, although I think it's changed a lot over the last 20, 30 years, you know, marriage is like kind of sort of painted, especially with celebrities, as this like perfect environment, this like fairy tale, you know, which it never is. Yeah, and you know, yeah, there's no relationship that's like that, you know, like there's like, oh yeah, we've been married for you know, I see my the Facebook post, our 40th wedding anniversary, and it's like all everything is always beautiful and wonderful. And I'm like, yeah. that's not what it's like, you know, yeah, in a relationship. Never relationships you know? are work, yeah. They're yeah, work. Like you know, talk working. about it what it really is. It'll maybe give people a little bit more, you know. I, I just don't like the idea that this like it always gets painted as this perfect thing. You know, whereas it would be much, it would be much more charming to write about a relationship in the way it really is, which means it's always ups and downs. Even yeah. if if you can even if you even can find a, you know some a relationship that can you know it's so hard anyway now you know because I was just reading this uh, this statistic from 2019, almost 40 percent of Americans are unmarried. 40 percent, it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. you know, and like the world has changed so massively. But anyway, I'm changing on the I'm changing the subject, but <laughs> I, I'm, I, you know, I, 
I can do that. Um, but yeah, I can do, I can do that. I can do that. But, but getting back to the, the, uh, what, what you guys did on the film, you know, when it comes to a documentary feature versus a feature film, mm-hmm. do you, uh, and, and I want, uh, I want Mike to answer this, um, because he's sitting there like drawing like stickmen right now at this point. <laughs> yeah. He's probably um, getting texts from the mix stage going, Hey, going, well, yeah, man, up, where are you? What are you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, man? Hey, Hey, I've got nominated for an Emmy. I'm talking about it. Excuse me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like the, your approach is obviously has to be different, you know, and can you also talk about, so the sound for for uh, for that for the doc for documentary features the Selena Gomez talk about that one as well. Also, where this is something I think that I would like to know and learn about is where do you get all the sound effects from? I know there are sound libraries. Which libraries do you use? Which ones do you not use? What makes you get into one? Like that's that's something interesting. Do you want me to start with uh, how documentaries are different than films? Or? Please. So, yeah, I think there's, I get that question, and uh, I think it's surprisingly similar. Um, I think the goal is the same in that you want to support the movie, you want to support the film cinematically. So, even in a documentary, which you might think is just like all natural sound, the microphones were picking everything up. I mean, I still want it to sound cinematic. I know one mm-hmm. of the things that we did on Lucy and Desi was uh, when we put in the sitcom clips like you actually there's actually black and white clips of the sitcom uh i love lucy and we realized like oh wow they sound really bare so we were actually adding sound effects to Mm. the old sitcom Mm. because Mm. it just it just matched the cinematic feel of the movie more Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's um and then i can i can actually tell you uh tell you and your listeners to go check out uh i have a instagram and a YouTube channel called in, uh, In-Depth Sound Design. And there's a really great Instagram post. If you kind of scroll down, it's uh, I did a little feature on a documentary called Putin's Kiss. Mm-hmm. And it actually goes through how cinematic and how much sound was replaced on a documentary that you would never imagine had the sounds replaced on. Mm-hmm. It's a really good example. I, I think if people watch that, they would really realize how much we're actually doing on documentaries Mm -hmm. um as far as where i get those sounds from uh well first of all i always have to talk about pro sound effects i love this company called pro sound effects i basically own their entire library um a lot of a lot of what i'm pulling from are libraries that i've purchased there's a lot of really great stuff out there now um that just wasn't around like 30 40 years ago now we have access to tons of sounds but i still have to pull my microphone out and record um, I mentioned that LSD sequence earlier. Uh, one of the principal sounds for this talked about that machine, a lot, man. Because like that... <laughs> it's a, I think uh, it's a fun sequence. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> um, there's a lot going on, um, and one of the principal sounds for the industrial shredder in that sequence is me running a spoon along a serrated knife, mm. and it's one of the signature sounds of that machine. Uh, and it's something that I just couldn't find anywhere and I just had to make it myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, purchasing stuff and then recording. I, I definitely recommend everyone just records. If anyone's into music or sound design for film, you got to pull out that microphone and get some custom sounds. Mm. Yeah. You just, there's, you'll never know what you like my car. I just had an issue with my car actually funny enough. And it was creating the, it made this gnarly sound. And I was like, Oh, I need to record this. Cause who, you know, this is just I can use the sound in the, in the future for something. It just was the craziest That's cool. thing. That's cool. All right. Well, uh, let me, let me go back to Mike Cause I think you just had a, a little mute moment there. That's cool. Um, and, uh, so Mike, do you, do you, uh, um, uh, like to uh, work with like when it comes to when it comes to creating um, uh, this the sound environment. Do you do you prefer li- working by yourself and then passing it on to someone else, or do you like to sit there with another pair of ears? How important is that to you? Oh, that's an interesting idea. Um, I, I think I'm always wanting an- another pair of ears just to make sure I'm not going crazy. Uh, but I do tend to work alone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the, you know, with some of the, like on weird, uh, the Al Yankovic story, um, I worked on those sounds and Anthony heard them and then they went to the mix stage and then we did the final mix, but on some other films that have a little more time, uh, there's a lot more back and forth. So this Onyx, the fortuitous movie, I was doing uh, sound design playbacks with the director, Andrew Bowser, and the producer, Olivia Taylor Dudley. I was doing that every week and a half. And they would come over, they'd bring beer, we'd have some beer and listen to sounds all night. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really, I, I really enjoyed those sessions, um, hanging out with them. Uh, it, it's the, what me and Anthony do is incredibly creative. And I really feel sometimes like I'm painting with sound and then inviting these guys over and, uh, and showing them my paintings. Like it just feels like so creative and, and fun. Um, that is until it gets to crunch time, but before that yeah. we can hang out and have fun and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, I really enjoy that extra pair of ears, but sometimes the time and budget doesn't allow. Yeah. That's very synesthetic of you to say that. Do you know what? Uh, do you know what synesthesia? That, as far as compar- yeah, as you know com- comparing visual uh, paintings yeah. to uh, to sound. Yeah, like like I'm uh, I'm creating a sound that sounds like blue or it looks like mm. blue. Yeah, yeah. It tastes like. My, uh, you, do you that's think my you favorite have, note. Do you think you have my synesthesia? favorite note on mixage? Does that sound purple? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that sound purple enough? I mean, are 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 all sound engineers synesthetic? Possibly. I don't Do think all I'm sound synesthetic engineers in like have the, sound synesthesia. Is synesthetic I, even a word? I, I will say I I, I I don't know, but I love it. I love the word <laughs> synesthetic. It sounds great. But when you said it, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, um, it's going to be the name I of my next say, record. When, when I read about <laughs> synesthesia, it sounds like people have like really vivid. Uh, Let's explain uh, to the audience reactions. what that is. Just oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead, know. Jan. It sounds like you know yeah. exactly. Uh, I mean, I I only know it because I've I experience it. But it is oh, a okay. But it is a people describe it generally as a when your senses mix, so that you don't, you know, smell isn't just smell, but your sense of smell and your sense of vision mix. You know, for instance, if you smell a certain smell, the the, the smell of grass, you think of a color or a shape so it it is a is when your senses mix that's like the probably most simple right. for me it was you know when i would i would write a song and i finished the song i would say oh that's the yellow song that song is um, yeah you know a blue song a brown song a you know an orange song and i still feel that way about the songs like when i've when i've written them and and i found that for me it relates to the key of the song that the, mm-hmm. the song is in. I, I, you know, it's funny is in Pro Tools, because we, we do all our work in Pro Tools, I have specific color coding for my tracks when I'm cutting. And I wonder if that's like, like when I'm cutting dialogue, I have to have them on red tracks because I don't know, I don't know why, but that just visually makes sense to me. And my sound effects, I like to have on different shades of green. And then it's, yeah, I guess I, maybe I, I have a little bit of it, I guess. Yeah. It's just a, um, it's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. I was just like thinking like I'm working on a project right now where, you know, it's it takes place in the summertime. So we're cutting a lot of cicadas and I just think of orange. I don't know. Like it just seems like a hot like it just seems like that sound just reminds me of a hot space. And then that reminds me of orange. So it's this weird thing. So I'll have orange tracks that are like, oh, those are my cicada tracks. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, the closest thing I can uh, compare it to, and this is not synesthesia at all, um, but I've always had a very vivid sense of like sound texture. And I feel like that has always come through in my interests and the way that I respond to sound. Um, But that's the only kind of vivid thing I can think of. uh, And I still use that vivid sense of texture and that extra like heightened sense of Mm. the way sounds feel so that is kind of almost synesthetic in a way mm-hmm. um and uh and I, I think anthony could probably agree that's also like a little bit of my style is how much like texture and thickness i can bring to sounds in a film definitely um, i i yeah i i'm gonna step over you for a second mike like mike uh, we i just had a scene 
Mike didn't have that much time on this project, but I was like, I gave him this note. I was like, cut this VCR machine for me because Mike can cut these like cool, just the textures that the sounds that you get just from like a button press. Mike does a fabulous job. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of it in weird, you know, you hear these, just these great, beautiful button sounds. You know, you can find like a little button sound and just go click. Okay. uh, There's a button sound, but Mike does a beautiful job of designing layers. I love that. Button sounds. Special, oh, I, I specializes. Love, I love button sounds. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and I even told I even told Anthony recently, I was just like, yeah, I really, really enjoy doing like tiny mechanical sounds and stuff. So like in in Weird the Al Yankovic story, uh, they they're always uh, using a cassette player. And I also have this like yeah. nostalgic sense of sound as well that I always tap into where those there there's like these little metal clangs that happen on old buttons. And I really love to pump those up. And Tony liked them too. And they're actually pretty loud in the film. And I just, those little things I really like grab onto and I really remember. Yeah. I think, so, that's, yeah. I think yeah, those are those textures. I mean, he does it in, with all sorts of different sound effects, but like those are just great examples I feel where you're like, oh, and you get these nice low end hits and all this stuff. And it just makes for a more uh, cinematic, uh, makes for a more, um, just a more cohesive, cooler sound than just a generic click and and when i need to there was a there's a scene uh that we're working on right now which has like a character using a buzzsaw in like in a large part of the scene and like when i'm watching that scene with no sound on it i can hear everything Mm -hmm. and i'm basically just going through my massive my my sound effects library is almost nine terabytes now and that's just audio um so basically what i'm doing is i'm watching it i'm hearing it already in my head and I am just going through my massive sound effects library, looking for those sounds that I hear that I can hear in my head. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it can take a long time because I'm really, really specific, and I'm really looking for for that. Like I said, what I'm hearing. Man, um, I could talk to you guys for a long time because <laughs> it's just really fascinating. To, it's really fascinating. But we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wrap it up. And I know you guys are on set, so I'm gonna let you get back to work to go back to creating which is the best part about what we do it's the best yeah. part you know um just totally. it's it's a wonderful uh, it's the, the mix I, I i love it's a creative process editing sound effects and then when you get on the mix that's a whole nother layer lo, lo, layer of creativity that's just mm. i look forward to mix mixing movies all the time it's so much yeah. fun so yeah yeah wonderful uh folks uh i i i hope i get to talk to you guys again we have to keep in touch Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. If, well, especially oh, if, you're see you at Sundance. Up, if you're coming out to Sundance, let's I, hang out. We'll let's be there. do that. Let's do that. Uh, let's, yeah. let's hopefully make that happen. Okay. Did you hear that, Maury? Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, guys, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Folks, if you are, if you have Roku, if you don't have Roku, get Roku. Watch <laughs> the new weird movie, weird about Al Yankovic, the Al Yankovic story uh, with Daniel Radcliffe starring and a lot of other stars in that too it's a it's a great film a lot a lot of people who yeah. else is in that drop some names Miranda. you got a lot of yes it's, it's cameos you know we got lin-manuel miranda who josh is it josh groban he pops up there's a lot of yeah, yeah. there's a lot of music people that pop up and yeah. a but lot of Evan famous Ra- Evan rachel wood uh, plays madonna in the film right, and, I forgot uh, about that. <laughs> and, and rain wilson yes. from the office plays uh dr demento uh-huh. and those are like the main characters but i, oh, I yeah, wouldn't want to ruin all the cameos like yeah you're right yeah, don't ruin I, was it all ta- I was just talking about cameos those guys are the main cast and they yeah. everybody in this movie does an incredible job it, it's it's, just, it's yeah. wonderful and you guys did a wonderful job on sound it sounds great the music sounds great the performances are great Thank and you. lucy and desi is another one this year the lucille ball documentary feature doc that's on Amazon. Was, you can watch that on Amazon. Amazon. I was just reading. I was just remembering that they had a production company called Desi Lu. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, which, which produced check out the documentary. So much the movie goes. The movie goes the, so deep into that. The movie goes really into that, and it talks about, yeah. back to Lucy and Desi. It talks about how it affects their relationship. Like they're yeah. both running a production company, a very successful production company mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, the first the first incarnation of Star Trek was yep. released by Desi Lu. Yep, they kept yeah, it right. on. They were the ones that kept it on. So wow. we have Lucy and Desi to thank for Captain Kirk and Spock and everything. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, Selena Gomez, uh, My Mind and Me. That I actually want to see that because I actually really love her. I really like her music too. Um, you know, that's on but, Apple 
that is on Apple currently streaming as well. So yeah, so you guys are everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> Mike making James, sound. Mike James Gallagher making sound. Anthony Venturi, thank you guys so much for coming on, and thanks to your PR guys for uh, pitching all these. You know, pitching you guys to me. Impact yeah. Twenty Four, thank you. That was I think that was Kate, Kate over yeah. there. Kate, That's right. thanks, and, Kate, and Maddie. Thanks, Kate. Uh, so, yeah, you guys are great. Uh, congrats on all the success and good Thank luck you. going forward. And hopefully we will uh, see each other in person and do a little uh, Sundance special of Making Sound at the end of January. That would be that'd be great. We can record some some snow, some ski stuff. Be, <laughs> you can you can uh, do some sound effects for um, maybe my next music video. Hey, hey, hey yeah, hey, for sure. Hey, now <laughs> I want to do a short film. All right. Cool guys, awesome. thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, hopefully, we'll do another little surprise thing next week. But until then, thanks for tuning into Making Sound. That was episode seventy nine. Uh, you can support the show, become a producer, become an executive producer. Just support the show if you'd like. Tip and all that good stuff at makingsoundpodcast.com. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye.